0: I pray that you got your heart ready for the Word today. <clears throat> you know, sometimes we, we feel like we're try, kind of getting out of our comfort zone when we, when we maybe come to the front to pray. But I want you to know something, that most of the time God wants to push us out of that comfort zone. Because so that comfort zone is not a good place to stay. Comfort zone is another word for stuck. do you think about that. Well, I'm comfortable where I am. Well, you're stuck. Because if you're moving forward, you're going to be uncomfortable at times. Amen? I love the worship set today. I want to thank the team for bringing us into this great, great experience of worship today. And I also want to say a word about what I think God is doing because my planning of the message, the planning of the songs did not coordinate and communicate, but they did because the plan was already given in heaven. And then we sing, your love, uh, uh, you work all things, you cause all things to work together for my good, whatever that line is that we sing in that song. And then Blake comes up and, and says that scripture. And I'm thinking about all of this stuff and I'm thinking, God, you're really speaking. Everything that's been said on this platform has, been directed at what I'm about to say right now. So you have your choice whether or not you're going to receive what God says to you today or not. And you might say, Well, I'm a little afraid of what God might say. You're misunderstanding God because God is good and God has our best interest in mind. And if we hear what God says, then we get in line with his will. And when our will and God's will is the same, man, good things happen. Amen? So I want to talk about trouble today. Anybody got any trouble? Anybody know how to write songs about trouble? You might not write songs, but you might write some things. Have you ever been on the social media and say, it's rant time? You ever done that? You ever got on social media and just began to complain about things? You know, when I read that kind of stuff, you know what goes through my mind? What in the world are they talking about? And who are they talking to? One of the most ineffective means of dealing with your problems is putting it on social media and expecting something to change. You know what I mean? To that person who did this, wow. Like someone's going to read it and say, they're talking about me. I think I will repent before God. Come on, that's not happening. In fact, all you're doing is showing that really, can I say this? You're just showing that you have an anger problem because if you really wanted to deal with the problem, you would go to the source of the problem. Somebody say amen right there. Now, you can either say amen with me or I'll say it myself, all right? So I'd love for you to talk back to me a little bit and uh, communicate with me because I like having a dialogue a lot better than a debate. I'm not here just to change your mind. I want to touch your heart today through the Word of God. The message is called Get to the Point. And I know some of you are saying, come on, preacher, get to the point. And I'm going to. It's out of James chapter 1. And I believe, if I'm not incorrect, that Pastor Blake's going to follow up with this next week. We've got a series on prayer coming up where we're going to basically talk about opening up the heavens. Chip Ingram says, power uh, falls where prayer prevails. And when there is much prayer, there's much power now, I just want to notice, I invited the church to pray a while ago. Did you participate or not? If you want to be a part of the power, you have to be a part of the prayer. And prayer is something much more than saying grace over the food. I've got two little kids in my house now. They love to say the blessing. I mean, they're sitting there. They've said it ten times before I get to the table. You know, and they just liable to pray for Paw Paw while they're at it. You know, they 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 love to pray. And I'm afraid in the church we don't do it very well. And we're going to to spend some time this summer. And we're going to deal with this spiritual blight on our soul uh, of the absence of prayer. But today and next week, I think we're going to be talking about trouble. And I think Blake might be preaching from Peter about the fiery trials that we go through. James in James chapter 1 and verse 2 is going to say this to us. And... uh, In the first verse it's not on your screen or in your notes but he's talking to the believers that are scattered they're all over the place and then he says consider it all joy my brethren when you encounter various trials stop right there some of you right there are going there's no way in the world I can do that because maybe you think that Christians are that really follow God and are right with God we get up in the morning and say dear God Please send me trouble today. And I am so grateful that I'm hurting this morning. That's not what he's talking about. He's using the word consider, and I'm going to explain that in a moment. But he says, when you encounter these various trials, consider it joy. How? Because we know something. You see, if you don't see it right and get to the point and you don't know anything and then when trouble comes, you start thinking God's forgotten you, God's against you, and God's not going to be able to do what he said he wanted to do. I want you to know that he is the great I am and whatever he said he will do, he will do it. And it doesn't matter if the entire world tries to vote him out, he will still be God. And whatever he is determined to do, he will do it. Amen? And that's true in the big picture. It's also true with me. Sometimes we think God is taking care of all the big things, and he doesn't know about the pain in my heart. I want to dispel that rumor here today. He said, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, You may be perfect and complete. You ever hear somebody say, God doesn't expect you to be perfect. Take a look. That you might be perfect and complete. Now take a look. Now before you go home and say, that preacher over there thinks we could be perfect. Remember this, I didn't write this, he did. What's he talking about? That's the point. I want you to know what he's talking about. So whenever you give yourself the excuse, well I'm only human. What kind of dumb thing is that? I mean, you're not human? What do you think? Sure, we're human. But does God expect us to grow up? Y'all agree with that or not? Some of you are thinking about it. Some of you won't say amen because if I say amen, then I realize that I'm saying yes to the sermon and I'm going to have to do something with it. Amen? So... We're going to deal with this process of growth and change and becoming perfect in the sense of growing up, not in the sense of a sinless uh, existence. Let's define some terms. First, trials are troubles of all kind that test you. Troubles of all kind that test you. We need to get to the point and see it correctly that when trouble happens, it's not an accident. It seems like it sometimes because the word he uses uh, for when you encounter trials is a word that means literally falling into it. Have you ever fallen down? I'm of the age now, where well, I need one of those little things around my neck that uh, I can, you know, buzz. I, you know, some of my family would be like, you're just going to have to get up, buddy. You know, I mean, I have taken a fall before and experienced very little sympathy. And even less empathy some of you don't know the story but I'll tell you the story I like to tell it again Um, sometime last spring it might have been winter I don't know it was dark in this room If you turn all these lights off it's dark and I was on my way somewhere and my guitar was up here the the nice Les Paul guitar that I was given and I thought I need to take it to the music store to, to, to get something done there was something that needed to be fixed And so I was in a hurry. You ever been in a hurry? And when you're in a hurry, did you ever notice you make bad decisions? Let me tell you about a bad decision. Sunglasses, dark room, steps. You get the picture? Oh, and a challenge of math. One, two, three. I thought there was two. Play the movie. What do you think happened? I ran in here in a hurry, got the guitar, was walking out, step two, step forward, boom. I discovered the new carpet <laughs> in a very real and tangible way. And so I'm laying there praying that no one from the school comes in and looks down and sees me because then it would, you would know it because it'd be on social media. How many of you would put that picture of me on the floor I want to see how many honest people are in here. All my elders and leaders are honest. Thank you, Alana. Yeah, and she would have been one of them to say, Look at here. Look here. So I'm down here and I'm about half dead. I think I am. And I I get up. I'm glad nobody saw me. So I share the story. I I tell, I tell, um, who did I tell? I told everybody. I said, Man, I, I missed the steps and I fell down and everything. And, and, uh, My family, being the empathetic people that they are, uh, they knew I had the guitar around, uh, you know, in my hand, and so I'm about, uh, you know, I can't walk anymore. I'm, I'm bleeding. I'm, I'm wounded. My pride is gone, and my dad says, "You didn't hurt that guitar, did you?" And then it got better than that. I was telling the story. I like to tell stories. If I can get a laugh, I like to tell stories. And so our, our lady that cleans the church, I'm telling her, and she said, you didn't get blood on the carpet, did you? You fall in. I didn't wake up that morning and say, dear God, I'm going to fall today. I'm going to fall into something. But that's the way trials are. They happen. And you fall into it. And you need to be able to do something about it. Have you ever been in a situation you just said, what a mess? Have you ever been where every time you made a decision, it got worse? And you thought, I've got to get myself out of this mess. But every time you made another turn, it just got worse. And you find yourself so deep in it, you don't know if you ever get out of it. I had such an experience the other day. I was coming home from Mexico, and uh, I do mission, trips to, uh, mission work in Mexico. And I was there for nine days and came home a couple of Thursdays ago. And got to Memphis about 7 o'clock, got my luggage about 7.30. And the thing about Memphis right now is there's a traffic situation. You see, I like to go into Arkansas and Missouri and go on 55 and just kind of point the car and just go and not have to deal with a lot of towns and different things and just drive that way. But right now, the I-40 bridge, there's an I-40 bridge and an I-55 bridge that goes into Arkansas. Well, I-40's got a crack in it. And so they won't let you go across. And so all of the traffic going from Memphis to Arkansas and Arkansas to Memphis, all of it's gone over the I-55 bridge, which is not quite the same as I-44 bridge. Long story short, uh, there's a lot of delays, a lot of backups, things like that. It, it reminded me of being here. Amen? <laughs> Amen? Aren't you glad you've got those things out there to work on your patience? See, you think they're working on the, the roads. They're not working on the roads. God's working on you. That's what's going on. And some of us aren't doing very well. I see some of you out there waving at people. Well, anyway, so I get my luggage at 730, and I looked at the, I've got an app on the phone that tells me the truth. And if it's got this big red line on the interstates, it says what? Traffic is way back. And for miles, on 240 and 55, it's backed up. But I, you know what? I don't trust gadgets. I don't believe them. And I'm thinking, it's 730 at night. There's no way in the world this thing is, is backed up like that. The rush hour is over. It's Thursday. It's going to be fine. So I took off, and I'm driving, and I'm thinking, am I going to go this way and go towards Jackson and go up that way, or am I going to go this way and go the way I want to go? So I'm like, this is what I want to do. This tells me to go there, but I'm going to go there. So what did I do? I went there, just like many of you. You know what you should do, but you go the other way because that's what you want to do. So I went the other way, and as soon as I got on 55, I was introduced to Memphis. Everybody in Memphis was there to greet me. They were all sitting in the spot, and we were going a blazing five miles per hour. And so then I'm thinking, I have made a horrible mistake. You ever been there? And it's like, it's going to be two hours to get through this thing. And I don't want to wait two hours because anybody like to sit in traffic two hours? It's a wonderful experience. I recommend it for your vacation this summer, okay? So I'm sitting there in this traffic, and I'm thinking, I've made a big mistake. But then it starts to move a little bit. Have you ever been there? It starts to move, and you think, okay, it's going to be all right. And I noticed there's one of those lanes over there, which I'm going to ask one of my guys not to listen to me, one of those lanes where you're not supposed to turn around. Like y'all have never done it. Huh? Yeah, I've got friends. I'll tell them. But I see that thing. I'm like, man, I could turn around and get out of here. But it's moving a little bit. You know, it was deceiving me. I did not take the lane. I stayed on it, and then all of a sudden just dead stop. And I'm like, I, I, I've had it. I've been gone for nine days. I'm ready to get home. You ever been there? And so about two miles up, there's an exit. But I'm in this lane, three lanes. There's two over here. And all the semis and 18-wheelers, they love it that I want to cross in front of them. They're waving at me, telling me nice things, you know, nice gestures and things. I finally get over there. I get off. But in Memphis, you can't get off this exit like we do here and come out and get back on. You can't do that. You have to go into the city and make a few, don't listen again, bro, make a few U turns in the middle of the road. I finally got back where I was going, so I'm like, okay, I lost about an hour, maybe 45 minutes, I don't know. So now I'm gonna go through Jackson. I know how to do that. Get to Jackson, get on 45, you just go. I've done it a thousand times. I lived in Tennessee but as I'm driving I notice the lightning is is starting and everything and I'm like okay I'm gonna run through some rain or something like that my phone starts telling me now remember I didn't listen to this before now I'm gonna listen it's telling me to get off exit 56 Brownsville why does it do that well it must be a quicker way so I do I get off and drive in Brownsville for about 20 minutes and then it puts me on a two-lane road that looks like Macedonia Road for 25 miles And then hurricane whatever comes in, and I can't see anything. You know what? I realize I'm in a mess. So what do you do when you're in a mess? You start saying, God, I need some help. God, I need some help. I prayed my way through and finally got where I needed to go. The point is, is that I didn't listen to good counsel because when I was getting ready to go 55, I could hear Bernie Cowgill's voice in my head saying, you better go a different way. My phone's saying you better go a different way. But then my phone lied to me and took me this other way. You see, that's the way life is. Sometimes you just find yourself in situations. And you don't know how to get out of it. And most of the time, we want to develop an attitude. Has anybody ever made the wrong turn and then you talk bad to yourself because you made the wrong turn? Who are you talking to? You criticize yourself. You call yourself names. Ever done that? Yeah. And so... That's the way it was. James is saying that there's a lot of mess in the world. These Christians of the early church, they were in a mess, but they didn't do anything wrong. They weren't going the wrong way. Did did you guys hear Blake's message uh, Wednesday night from Acts chapter 4? By the way, if you want to learn the Bible, Wednesday night at 6.30 is a wonderful place to do that. We're going verse by verse through the book of Acts, and we are learning. We are learning the Word of God. I want you to know it's important for you to be a part of learning the Word of God. Don't uh, neglect this necessary tool. He said in Acts chapter 4 verse 3 that they, that's religious authorities, seized Peter and John. And because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. This is apostles' who were preaching, and they basically saw a crippled man and said, I don't have any money, but I'm going to give you what I have in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. This crippled guy gets up and walks, and so they end up in jail because of their ministry. You see, sometimes the mess doesn't happen because you did something wrong. Sometimes it just happens because you did what you were supposed to do. But when we see the mess as God's displeasure or that we've done something wrong, or that it's always corrective, sometimes we don't see it correctly and we don't get to the point. We need to see the point together. If you looked at the early church, James was writing to the people that were scattered. It was like we're sitting here in Metropolis in Eastland Life Church, and authorities come in, and they come in and they say, we're going to arrest and kill anybody who confesses Jesus as the Christ. And so some of us get away. Some of you guys get away because you can run faster than me. I would get caught. But some of you would be scattered. If you knew that if they found you that they were going to put you in jail, you would be scattered. You would move. You would do what you'd have to do. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what happened to the other church. They were being scattered. And so right now we feel great togetherness because we can be together. But we don't know, ladies and gentlemen, that one day that that won't happen. Don't assume that we're never going to have legal trouble. We can see it happening right now. It's trying to happen right now. Don't assume that the godless forces of this world are going to always be happy with us and allow us to continue. So the scattering happened. Not only that, but they were arresting those guys, and many of them were being killed. You think you got trouble? If anybody would look at the early church, we'd say, hmm, the trouble in the early church looks overwhelmingly negative. There is no way what's going on in the early church is a good thing. We'd say, nah, they must be doing something wrong or God wouldn't let this stuff happen to them. I've said it. Haven't you? I must have done something wrong or God wouldn't allow this to happen to me. Have you ever done that? Been there. And we sing and we believe God works all things together for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But it's just words. Because we're not getting to the point. We don't see it right. How do you see trouble? I want to show you today. I got three words. That's going to help me explain it. The first word is the word adversity. Adversity... Is the negative connotation of somebody resisting you trouble? Any kind of trouble is adversity. I've found lots of trouble in traffic situations and the floor. And in other things as well. So have you. What kind of trouble are you having right now? See, one thing I know when I preach a message like this, it's for everybody. No one in this room can say, oh, this isn't for me. Oh, yeah, it is. Because all of us have trouble. All of us kind of think that at some point the trouble will go away. Have you ever said things like, well, as soon as this happens, then I'll, as soon as this gets lined out, then I'll, a lot of times it's like that with serving God. As soon as this happens, then I'll get right with God. You have bought the lie that there's some type of physical, secular, or even spiritual utopia out here waiting for you. Heaven is tomorrow. We're in the battle right now. If you ever hear a preacher say, all you got to do is get right with God and you won't have any more troubles, please unplug whatever that is because that person does not know or understand God at all. If that was true, why is Jesus dying? I mean, he's God. Can you get up in the morning and say, I can't wait to do this? In his humanness, he prayed, God, if there's any other way, let it happen. But you know what? Nevertheless, whatever your will is, that's what I'm willing to do. That's what he did with his trouble. And look what happened as a result. You'd say, Man, Jesus, he he was kind of a failure, you know, he never wrote a book. He only he only had three and a half years of ministry. Most of us would say, man, he was killed after three years. Man, what a short ministry. He wasn't very successful. Oh, you, you, you're not seeing it right. You're not getting to the point. The point is now he's got a bride all over the world. All types of languages, all types of people, all types of people everywhere that call him Lord. But see, you've got to see with a long vision. We're so impatient we see it this way, don't we? Adversity can come suddenly, fall into it. Adversity is often a surprise. Didn't see that coming. you ever say that? Adversity is not always Satan. Don't give Satan too much power here, ladies and gentlemen. Don't fight. Everything that's happening to me is coming from Satan. I'm getting resisted from Satan. I'm getting that Satan is dealing with me. He's attacking me. Well, in an indirect manner, he might be, but I want you to know anything that's happening to you comes first through the sovereignty of a God who loves us. I don't believe that, you say. Take a look at Job. Before Satan could touch Job, he had to get permission from God. Well, why would a good God let that happen? Stay with me, you'll find out. Adversity can have many different strategies. You see, what deals what I deal with and what you deal with might be a lot different. Amen. Can I confess to you? Traffic is a big problem for me. And that's irrational. Because you can't do anything about it. And they're really not hurting me. What is the difference in sitting in a car and moving in a car? You're still in the car but in my brain when I'm sitting, I'm not moving forward and to be honest with you, I hate stuck, y'all hate stuck? I hate stuck, I like progress in everything in my life, I like to learn, I like to grow, I like to move, I don't like to sit still and so it bothers me. Strategies can be different types of problems, it could be people, people ever get on your nerves? You ever get on anybody else's nerve? Pain. Pain can be a strategy for trouble. Did you know that? If you deal with chronic pain, that's, 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 that's trouble. And it can work on you emotionally. Did you know that? Well, thank God I never have to deal with chronic pain. I'll just wait a little while. Everything that doesn't hurt now one day will. Some of y'all need to say amen because the younger ones need to hear that it's not just me. <laughs> Things don't work as well, they don't move as well. You get introduced to Arthur, you'll find out something about pain, right? Persecution's a problem. Most of us have not been persecuted, persecuted physically, we have been persecuted through words. Sometimes people say words don't hurt, but of course it does. And when people speak negatively about us, no one says, I just love that kind of thing. And I just want to just stick an arrow in the thought that there is any type of life that's lived without trouble. Way back, probably the oldest book in the Old Testament, Job said, Mortals born of woman are a few days and full of trouble. Sorry to bust your bubble. You're going to have trouble. It's going to be there. So we need to get to the point. We need to see it right. How do we see it? second word is accounting. Accounting 101. Let's call it spiritual accounting 101. The word that James uses is called considerate. It's the Greek word, gelmai. Gelmai, the H is silent there, it's kind of like Spanish. Gelmai, and it means to lead, to consider, to account. So when James says consider it all joy, I think the King James got this one better than the NIV or the NASB because I think the word is better, count it joy. And I think I want us to learn something about what that means because to account means to call it what it is. Call it what it is. We say trouble, trouble. God says count it joy, joy. Do you see what I'm getting at? Call it what it is. Let me give you an explanation about a little thing about accounting. And I'm not an accountant, but I understand it a little bit. In the natural order of everything, there is debits and credits. Do you know that? Debits, that sounds negative, right? Credits, that sounds positive. So in the debit, it is money that is paid out or owed. The credit is money that is coming in. So in the spiritual world, you have what we think debits, negatives. And we have the credits. So when God says in Romans 8, all things work together for our good, the all things, no matter what it is, no matter what it is, we would think that all things could be on this side. But God says it's actually on this side. You have to do some spiritual counting and take whatever you're going through and put it in this column. I preached this message a long time ago. I called it Put It in the Joy Column. In other words, if you've got a ledger in front of you, you've got a column that says joy, and you've got this trouble, take all that trouble and put it in this column. Because according to James, that's exactly what it is. You've got to see it right. Trouble, trouble, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. No, God says it's good, it's good, it's good. (laughs) Isn't that that interesting? We are so opposite, aren't we? Man, nobody wants to go through trouble. Nobody wants to go through. Have you ever heard somebody say, don't ever pray for patience? Because if you pray for patience, God's gonna give you eight or ten kids. For me, it was God's gonna give you a church. Amen? I mean, or God's going to give you a traffic jam. Come on, drivers. Dear God, give me patience. Okay, if you drive in Illinois, you're going to get a bunch. You're either going to get a bunch or you're going to not see it right. and You're going to live in a world of frustration, okay? So you put it in the right column. You see it right. To account, it means to believe what God says about it. Put it in the right column. God says it's joy. James says, Count it all joy. Not count it some joy. Count the good times joy. No, James is saying it's all. A L L. It's all joy. And remember who he's talking to? He's talking to people who are scattered, they're not in their homes. They're not even considered to be Jews anymore. They don't even have a country anymore. What they have is an identity with Jesus Christ and the government and the religious world. Everybody is coming against them. James said, it's all joy. Think about it. You see, sometimes we misread the truth. We misread it. We look at the situation and we misread it. For example, take a spoiled child. To that child everything in their life is a credit because I get what I want but what's the truth it's really a negative because they're going to be a narcissistic entitled individual who will never be satisfied Gotta see it right there's a guy in the Old Testament book of Genesis that said something similar to this you see Jacob thought his son Joseph was dead you remember the story And then they were out of food, and he sent his sons to Egypt to get some food. And they came back, and Simon was kept in Egypt. And the boys came back and said, Daddy, we got to bring Benjamin with us this time. Jacob's like, oh, no. Jacob goes on to say later on in the chapter, he said, If you lose Benjamin, you will bring my soul down in grief. You will just kill me. Have you ever been in that situation where you look at everybody, you're so frustrated. You guys have just completely messed up everything about my life. And Jacob went on a roll. I guess we could call it a rant. Look what he says. Their father Jacob said to them, you have deprived me of my children. Can you imagine this? Jacob was a father like me. You know, sometimes fathers lecture. My daughter said, yep. Yep. Sometimes we lecture and lecture. And you know, if you're lecturing your kid or you're lecturing anybody, you know what's happening? Nothing. They're not hearing that. Come on. You remember when you were lectured? What did you do? You could hear the Charlie Brown teacher's voice, right? Blah, blah, blah. They're not listening. But Jacob, I mean, he's frustrated. And we lecture when we're frustrated. He's like, you guys... You've deprived me of my children. Joseph is no more and Simon is no more and now you want to take Benjamin. And he makes a statement. He says, everything is against me. You ever said it? How long ago was it? Not long. Everything is against me. But was that true? No. Because it was just a matter of time and Jacob is going into Egypt. He's going to find out that his son is yet alive. Simon is still alive. Benjamin is going to stay alive, and they're going to get food. Ladies and gentlemen, he didn't see it right. He needed to get to the point. So for the believer in Jesus, trouble is to be accounted joy, period, accounted joy. Last word I want to say is the wise, and that's the word actions. Actions, these are the things that happen when we do this. You might be listening to me me today and say, well, it makes sense, Brian, but I don't think I can do that. I don't think I can be in the middle of this mess and count it joy. It was hard for me to be driving through the rain, couldn't see 10 feet in front of me, hoping that no one comes up behind me, hoping that I don't drive off the road, hoping that one of the Tennessee deer doesn't find me first. There's all these things going in my head. It's hard for me to look at that and say, praise God but I learned something from it. And it's hard for you to be in the middle of a mess and say, this is good. And you might say, Brian, I see the scripture and I see what you're saying, but I don't know how I can do that. And you might be saying, yeah, but why would I want to do that? Because this, ladies and gentlemen, is the thing that God uses to grow you. If you think that you're going to grow just because you came to church today, I want you to know that If you don't take what you learned today and apply it, nothing is going to change. I'm certainly glad you're here. It would be a a mess for me to preach to Chris and Blake. It's good that you're here. But you can't just listen to the Word and go back and do things like you used to do and expect that to be growth. You have to count it right, get to the point, see it correctly. And then you know what James said would happen? First word, the word patience. Everybody who needs patience say, amen. Amen. We need patience. And what is patience, ladies and gentlemen? It's something that we can't get on our own, and we certainly can't get patience without going through stuff. It's crazy. It's like I want to learn math, but I don't want to take the course. It's crazy. I should take the course because two and three are two different numbers. Amen? Patience is the character quality of love that Paul speaks about. Most of us think love is this emotional attachment, which it, it is in a sense. Love is emotional. Of course it is. But the highest part of love is a decision. 1 Corinthians 13 doesn't say love is feelings, love is euphoria, love is happy ever after. 1 Corinthians 13 says love is two things, patient and kind. So how are you going to get patient if you don't go through stuff? Count it all joy when you fall into different types of of trials, knowing that the trying of your faith produces patience. Faith is the accounting. Faith says, I see this, I don't like this, but I'm putting it in the right column. I'm going to believe what God says. And when I do that, then God begins to work patience in me. And then I'm more loving. Patience, ladies and gentlemen, is holding back from knocking someone's head off. Amen? Patience is a block on, according to James, the most wicked member of your body, the tongue. Patience is putting a block on the tongue before you say that dumb thing that's going to land you on the couch or somewhere else. Patience is holding back kindness is to look at those same people that you want to knock their head off and do something good for them. Who can do that apart from God? Can't. So how are we going to get patience? We have to go through stuff. You want to resist stuff, you're resisting the growth, and basically what you're saying is, I am satisfied being an entitled, narcissistic, spiritual child, and I will sit here until God calls me home. And if we have nothing but babies running around in our churches, no wonder we're losing our country. We need people to grow up. Amen? So patience, and then there's a perfecting work. The perfecting work is what James in the New Testament uses when it talks about spiritual growth. Growing up. You grow up through the trouble. If you don't see it right, you don't exercise faith, you don't account it right, guess what? You don't grow. You end up stuck. And in some ways, SOS, stuck on stupid. (laughs) Because nothing changes. You get patience, you get the perfecting work of God, and then finally the perfect peace. James says so that you could be perfect and entire, not lacking anything. Wow. You see how different it is? You see how different it is? We in the flesh think, if I just had everything, I would not lack everything. But if you just get handed everything inside your soul, you're still lacking. Because the thing that can fill your soul is not anything that comes from the outside. It can only come from the inside. And when you see things right and you get your heart right on the inside, God fills you on the inside, and then you know what? Then you can say, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not lack any good thing. It's good stuff, isn't it? Amen. Patience, perfecting worth, perfect peace. In conclusion, the point is that trials of a different kinds are a test of our faith, period. It's a test of what you believe. You either believe it right, see it right, or you don't. The formulas go like this: trouble plus faith equals character. Get it? Trouble plus faith equals character. Trouble minus faith equals stuck. Sadly, I've seen people stuck for years, even decades. Can I ask you to do something today? If you're stuck spiritually, see it right. You're in a spiritual traffic jam and you're going nowhere. Make the decision to move over two lanes of traffic and get off that lane, amen, and turn it around. That's the point. What's the faith? What kind of faith do we need today? Faith is there is a plan in the making. Say it, plan in the making. Whatever is going on in you, God is doing something in you. Faith is a perfecting work taking place. Faith is patience on the way. Praise God. Faith is perseverance and victory. Perseverance and victory. That you might be perfect and complete, not lacking anything. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, there is great purpose in trouble. See it right. So, today, I want to ask you to get to the point. Get to the point. See it correctly, count it accurately, grow accordingly you'll live victoriously. Did Jesus say anything like this? John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Did James say something about peace? In this world you will have trouble. Hmm. But take heart. I have overcome the world. That's our Lord. And if he overcame the world and I'm in him, then I've overcome the world. Amen? So go out and do it today, all right? Get to the point. Stop resisting what God's doing. And get your mind and your heart and everything right with God.